the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. On Fridays, we like to, uh, like to take a look at the week in headlines and the lighter side of the news. If you're in the Seattle area, you'll be leaving us at that time, but the Christian Outlook will be featured here in Portland uh, in the five o'clock hour. So that's our lineup for today. I want to uh, say that James Blend is producing Dave King Engineering today's program, as well as my good friend Sam Moppin. In the Seattle area, Pedro Bartes producing and engineering in Seattle. Well, again, taking a look at the weekend headlines, a dangerous atmospheric river storm was blasted California with widespread impacts from heavy rains, damaging winds, and potentially life-threatening flash floods. In fact, there were some fatalities. Forecasters highlighted Southern California, including downtown Los Angeles, for a pretty rare high-risk event. It was flash flooding. The storm has already dumped several inches of rain across the region on Sunday, and uh, more came on Monday and continued. California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency for several counties in Southern California to support storm response and recovery efforts. The high risk is the highest rung of the uh, NOAA's flash flood threat scale and is only issued under the most dire of flooding forecasts. So this was pretty serious stuff. Life-threatening flash and urban flash flooding possible in the high-risk areas. Their weather prediction center issued over the uh, early part of the week. The storm uh, hadn't spared the northern or central sections of the state either with uh, torrential rain and wind gusts climbing to over 70 miles per hour. Nearly 900,000 customers were without power across California uh, as of late Sunday evening. Uh, the Golden State mobilized and pre-positioned a record 8,500 emergency responders ready for the flooding, for landslides, for travel emergencies, according to the governor's office. We learned later there were uh, fatalities connected with this weather event. And other news from the week, the U.S. and Britain unleashed a large-scale barrage against Houthi targets. The United States and its ally carried out large-scale military strikes on Saturday against multiple sites in Yemen controlled by Houthi militants, according to a statement from the two countries and six allies, as the administration continued its reprisal campaign in the Middle East targeting Iran-backed militias. The attacks against 36 targets at 13 sites in northern Yemen came barely 24 hours after the United States carried out a series of military strikes against Iranian forces and the militias they support at seven sites in Syria and Iraq. American and British warplanes, as well as Navy Tomahawk cruise missiles, hit deeply buried weapons storage facilities, missile systems and launchers, air defense systems and radars in Yemen. Also in the news this week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott started constructing a border wall, or I should say resumed constructing a border wall. Uh, the governor is, uh, took action to protect America, he says. BizPAC Review reported that unbeknownst to most Americans, the Texas governor hasn't just been installing razor wire along the border against the Biden administration's wishes. He's also been building a border wall of his own. 
Governor Abbott says that Texas made history as the first and only state to build our own border wall. Constructing and on construction rather is ongoing. We will not back down from our efforts to secure the border. And that uh, tug of war for authority continues. Well, President Biden won in South Carolina. He won the South Carolina Democrat primary bigly as he hauled in 96 percent of the votes based on the percentage of the vote. It's a resounding victory. However, as the uh, saying goes, the devil is in the details. Voter turnout was abysmal with just four percent of voters statewide bothering to cast just one hundred and thirty one thousand eight hundred seventy ballots. That's the lowest Democrat turnout in the past three primaries. Back in 2020, when Biden won the Palmetto State's Democrat primary and revived his moribund campaign, 16 percent of voters turned out to cast a ballot. Clearly, Democrat voters enthusiasm for Biden was significantly lower. Now, that may mean uh, that. They recognize he doesn't have a rival that they're concerned about, or it may mean that their enthusiasm has waned. A former Trump official has died five days after D.C. carjacking. Last week uh, on the uh, the critical wounding of Mike Gill was reported, a married father of three and former Trump administration official who was left fighting for his life after having been shot in the head during an attempted carjacking. Also shot during the crime spree was a 35-year-old Alberto Vasquez Jr., himself a father of two. Vasquez died of his wounds and now Gill has succumbed to his. That the alleged murderer, 28-year-old Artel Cunningham, was later shot and killed during a confrontation with the D.C. police is surely little consolation to the family of either Gill or Vasquez. In other news, um, the University of uh, Pennsylvania um, is still anti-Semitic. It says if the university has no shame in the wake of the resignation of their former president, whose indefensible defense of anti-Semitism on campus during the House testimony in December was roundly rebuked, we found that the university's penchant for Jew-hating is alive and well, at least among UPenn faculty. As the Washington Free Beacon reported, a lecturer at the university In Annenberg, the School of Communication published several anti-Semitic cartoons since the Hamas attack on October 7th, including one that depicts Zionists sipping Gazan blood from wine glasses, a version of the ancient blood libel employed by anti-Semitic propaganda that accused Jews of using the blood of Christian children for baking matzah and other rituals. Well, China will move on Taiwan soon. Well, on Thursday... Admiral Samuel J. Paparo, who asked, was asked rather during a Senate confirmation hearing uh, for taking over the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command about the threat level China poses toward Taiwan. And he noted that China's military threat has been increasing. He sees the potential of an attack coming before 2027, the date that Beijing has set for its military to be ready to take control of the island nation. However, he observed that. The 2027 date was more of a an anniversary, had to do with it being the 100th anniversary of the People's Liberation Army. But in fact, I think they're working to be ready every day and they could go and we've got to, to be constantly vigilant. There's no holiday between now and when they may go. The U.S. military must be ready now, next week, next month and in the decades to come to deter any attack, he went on to say. Boeing flagged potential delays after a supplier uh, found another problem with uh, some of their 737 fuselages. I'm not going to be traveling 
anytime soon. 13 GOP governors gathered in Texas this week to support Governor Greg Abbott's border security plan. The 13 attended a Sunday media briefing at in Eagle Pass, Texas, during which Governor Abbott urged President Joe Biden to take action on the issue of illegal migration uh, entries along the southern U.S. border. The governor intensified his clash with the administration over runaway uh, immigration issues, demanding immediate action to stem the flow of migrants across the southern border. His critique of the administration the president's handling of border security was unreserved. He accused the administration of neglecting its duties, emphasizing the onus now falls squarely on the federal government to uphold the nation's laws. And in other news, the president will forgive more student loans for thousands of borrowers. It claims it's not costing people. Shifting that cost onto taxpayers apparently isn't costing people. More student loan borrowers can expect debt relief. Business Insider reports starting this month, though, a um, rather through a new repayment reform in early January, the Education Department announced that borrowers enrolled in the Save Income Driven Repayment Plan, who originally borrowed twelve thousand dollars or less, would begin to see their loans forgiven in February if they made at least 10 years of qualifying payments. The department is rolling out this relief early. When SAVE was announced over the summer, that provision of the plan wasn't set to be implemented until the summer of 2024. Of course, that may be late. There's an election coming up. CNN is making more changes uh, amid ratings declines. CNN is reporting making drastic changes as a rating slump continues to take its toll on the network. And one morning show left over from the Chris Licht era is getting the axe. There's more, but we won't go into the details. Meanwhile, Dartmouth College has reversed course. They're going to require the SAT, ACT test results in admissions. The Wall Street Journal reported that Dartmouth will require the test scores beginning with the next year's class of applicants. The first Ivy League school to reverse course on pandemic era test optional policies. The New Hampshire school said it was making the move based on new research showing that Ivy League and other highly selective schools standardized test scores help predict first year college performance even better than high school grades. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're uh, reviewing the week in headlines. We'll continue. But in the latter half of this first hour, the light of the side of the news with James Blend. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, the week in headlines. Well, President Trump is not immune. So says the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, ruling that uh, Donald Trump is not immune from prosecution on charges that he tried to illegally overturn the 2020 election. The former president claimed that his alleged criminal actions on January 6, 2021, were protected by presidential immunity, but the court disagreed. For the purpose of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump with all of the defenses of any other criminal defendant, the panel of three judges wrote. But any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution, end quote. It is a highly debatable subject, and it's very likely going to end up in the Supreme Court. The defeat was expected for Trump, though he plans to appeal the entire D.C. Circuit Court and then the U.S. Supreme Court. Special counsel Jack Smith had asked the court to um, for an expedited ruling as he hopes to have Trump in the courtroom by March over the charge of insurrection. One of the four indictments against him that constitute Democrat lawfare against him. And again, we'll continue to follow this story. 
Government interference over vaccines is being scrutinized. Remember who is actually responsible for first politicizing the COVID vaccine? It wasn't Donald Trump or MAGA Republicans. It was, well, the vice president, uh, Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, I should say, Kamala Harris, who back in the fall of 2020 said that she would not trust Donald Trump regarding any vaccine. When pressed if she would get the vaccine, she added, I will not take his word for it. Fast forward a few months later and the Biden administration not only changed its tune on the vaccine, the very same vaccine, but sought to force as many Americans as possible into getting it. Well, now the House Judiciary Committee has obtained emails that show the degree of the pressure campaign waged by the White House on big tech companies, including Amazon, to suppress any opposition to the vaccine. Feeling the pressure back in March of that year, Amazon employees sought a meeting with the White House to clarify if the administration wanted the company to remove anti-vax books from its retail catalog. Is the administration asking us to remove books or in or are they more concerned about search results, uh, uh, orders or both was the question from one Amazon employee. And it goes on from there. Well, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path, we learned this week, although we've been hearing it for some years. In a recent interview with CBS's 60 Minutes, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell admitted what many conservatives have long been warning about, that the U.S. government is spending too much money. Powell pointed to the ballooning national debt and noted, in the long run, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path, and that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. He then warned, effectively, we're borrowing from future generations. It's time for us to get back to putting a priority on fiscal sustainability, and sooner is better than later, end quote. Welcome to the party. Well, the trouble is that there are still not enough lawmakers in Congress who are willing to truly put the brakes on federal government spending. This is an election year, so you may have a say in whether or not that continues to be the case. Chinese migrants are the fastest growing group crossing from Mexico into the U.S. at the southern border, raising a number of questions. Well, former President Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot on Tuesday in the Republican presidential primary in the early voting state of Nevada. But his absence wasn't enough to help secure a victory for his last remaining major rival for the 2024 GOP nomination, Nikki Haley. Voters casting ballots in the state-run Republican nominating contest couldn't write in Trump's name, but they could vote for none of these candidates. It was an option. And the Associated Press projected that none of these candidates' option would defeat Haley in a primary where no delegates to this summer's Republican convention were at stake. Trump supporters um, uh, at the uh, polling station said they were casting a ballot for none of these candidates while her name was on the ballot. The former two-term Southern California governor, rather South Carolina governor, two very different places, who later served as U.N. ambassador in the Trump administration, ignored the Nevada primary. Haley didn't campaign there ahead of the primary and hasn't been in the state since speaking in late October at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership. This week's contests are just an appetizer for Nevada, which is a key general election battleground state. We'll see plenty of campaign traffic this summer and autumn. And by the way, the uh, Trump campaign senior advisor uh, says that they fully expect that he will run away with the caucus votes where it actually matters. A package aimed at giving $17.6 billion to Israel failed to pass the House of Representatives on Tuesday this week. It had been facing a veto threat from the White House, which is pushing for Congress to consider Israel as a part of a larger aid package, $118 billion supplemental security package, along with pushback from GOP hardliners who wanted the, the price tag offset by spending cuts elsewhere.
And House Republicans unveiled legislation that would prohibit Chinese, Russian, North Korean and Iranian nationals from purchasing public or private real estate in the U.S. The American Land and Property Protection Act introduced by Representative Mark Alford from Missouri and co-sponsored by seven fellow Republicans orders the president to take action prohibiting non-residents, businesses, agents, trustees or fiduciary associated with the government of China, Russia, North Korea and Iran from purchasing. U.S. land. Much uh, to do about the USDA, the U.S. Agriculture Department, and their inability uh, to provide information to the government about who is purchasing this land, um, information they are required to provide that gives a clearer picture of uh, what the situation is. Uh, food security is national security, said one critic, and we cannot allow foreign adversaries to influence our food supply while we stick our heads in the sand. USDA's most recent data suggests that, as of 2021, foreign investment in U.S. agricultural land is approximately 40 million acres. Additionally, Chinese agricultural investment in the U.S. increased tenfold between 2009 and 2016 alone. Well, critics across the uh, political landscape are taking aim at President Biden for avoiding the traditional pre-Super Bowl interview for two years in a row. Last year, the president uh, did not sit down with an affiliate of Fox when the network aired the Super Bowl. This year, CBS is broadcasting the game and the White House revealed eight days in advance that Biden would again not make himself available. We hope viewers enjoy watching what they tuned in for the game. So says a White House spokesperson speaking to Variety. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she defended the president on Tuesday when asked about the Super Bowl dodge, citing his routine exchanges with reporters and adding, I wouldn't say that he is not engaging with the press. I wouldn't say that because he does. Well, some are very critical of the president's unwillingness to not only sit down before the Super Bowl, but dodging the media in other ways as well. Fox News senior political analyst Britt Hume, a former White House reporter himself, said it made sense from the Biden administration perspective not to take the chance on the interview, saying it would obviously not be to his advantage uh, to risk it. He's dependent upon the press corps sympathies, which he has generously received, in my view, to advance his political cause, Hume said, adding he doubted a Republican president would get as much of a pass about avoiding the media so studiously. Hume expects the Biden campaign to use the same playbook in the 2020 um, by limiting his public appearances where it's possible. The vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas failed in the House, but the story has not yet ended. The vote was 216 to 214. The Republican-led House of Representatives on Tuesday failed to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary over the handling of uh, the crisis at the southern border, marking a major blow for House Republicans who have pushed for Mayorkas removal. But as I mentioned, it's not over until it's over. One member of the House literally rose from his hospital bed to cast a ballot. Scalise is expected back next week, uh, which would break the tie. And it's uh, expected that it will come up for a vote again. So stay tuned. Former President Trump has been denied immunity by the federal appeals court. We already covered that. Argentinian President Javier um, Milai visited Israel and promised to move the uh, the Argentinian embassy to Jerusalem. Staunch Israel supporter and politically conservative Argentinian president landed in Israel and promptly pronounced that he would indeed move the Argentinian embassy to Jerusalem. And in the U.S., credit card debt has reached a record $17.5 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2023. Many of the hostages held by Hamas are dead. Israel aid uh, 
has died in the house as well. Of the remaining 136 Israeli hostages that Hamas militants captured and brought into Gaza following the murderous October 7th attack, at least 32 are dead. Israeli military officials have informed family members of those hostages who have been confirmed dead, with the IDF noting that most of them were killed on the day of the attack. Hamas took a total of 240 hostages and has released less than half of them. Meanwhile, stateside, the House failed to pass that standalone $17.6 billion aid bill for Israel. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And James Blend, he'll weigh in as well. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I have once again made the uh, serious mistake of inviting James Blend to join me for these next two segments. James. You know, after thinking about it for many moons and wondering why you refer to this as a mistake or a moment of weakness and all those things, I think I finally understand. Yeah. I show you up. That's it. I make you look bad. You do. And it's pure jealousy. Yes. Steeped in jealousy. That's it. Okay. That's what I figured. We're going to go with that. Absolutely. Unquestionably. Uh Uh-huh. I can't say I blame you. No. Okay. Well, let's start with the lighter side of the news, as we do on Fridays at about this time. And I wanted to begin with Groundhog Day. You know, it was last Friday, February the 2nd, and the uh, big question is, did the groundhog, Puxatani Phil, did he see his shadow? Well, the annual event held shortly after sunrise on a Friday, February 2nd this year. It's a tongue-in-cheek ritual in which Phil's handlers reveal whether the groundhog has seen his shadow. Well, this year, they say the rodent, and by the way, a groundhog is a rodent, rather oversized rat, if you will did not see his shadow, and that will usher in early spring-like weather. But have you ever wondered, what's the backstory? What's the history of Groundhog Day? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're in luck. We've got the history right here. And James? the best part is we'll play it over and over and over again every day until <laughs> next year. I liked that movie, too. Well, the spotlight was on Gobbler's Knob in western Pennsylvania last Friday when handlers of the groundhog named Puxatani Phil announced whether he saw his own shadow and predicted six more weeks of winter or an early spring. They predicted an early spring. Thousands were in attendance at the annual event that exploded in popularity after the 1993 Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day, that you just referenced, James. It's part of a tradition. It's rooted in European agricultural life. It marks the midpoint between the shortest day of the year on the winter solstice and the spring equinox. It also is a time of year that figures in the Celtic calendar and the Christian holiday uh, calendar, called Candlemas. Uh, And in eastern and central Pennsylvania, where people of German descent have been watching the groundhog's annual emergence from hibernation for centuries, there's a tradition of groundhog clubs and celebrations that are independent of Phil. In fact, he's never invited to said events. Well, some dismiss the Puxatani event as an unworthy rival to their own festivities, which they say forecast more accurate weather predictions. There have been weather-predicting groundhogs in at least 28 U.S. states and Canadian provinces and less formal celebrations far and wide. One thing it's not, and that is serious business. We know this is silly. We know it's fun. That's what the executive director of the Puxatawney Groundhog Club says. We want people to come here with a sense of humor. 
So with a sense of humor, we provide for you a little bit of the origins of Groundhog Day. Well, apparently Celtic people across Europe mark the four days that are midway between the winter solstice and spring equinox, or equinox as most people say it, the uh, summer solstice and the fall equinox, uh, what the Celts um, called imbolic or inbalk. I'm not really sure I'm not Celtic. Anyway, it's also um, uh, around when uh, Christians celebrate Candlemas timed uh, to Joseph and Mary's presentation of Jesus to the temple at Jerusalem. Well, ancient people would watch the sun, stars, and animal behavior to guide farming practices and other decisions. And the practice of watching an animal's emergence from winter hibernation to forecast weather has roots in a similar German tradition involving badgers and bears. Pennsylvania Germans apparently situated the groundhog. They substituted him for the other animals endemic to the eastern and midwestern United States. Well, historians, they found a reference in an 1841 diary to groundhog weather forecasts in early February among families of German descents in uh, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, according to the late Don Yoder, a University of Pennsylvania professor whose 2003 book about Groundhog Day explored the Celtic connection. He concluded the festival has roots in ancient, undoubtedly prehistoric weather lore. So there you go. It's uh, celebrated in Puxitani. It's an area that Pennsylvania Germans settled, so that makes sense. And um, does Phil have any competition? Well, the early festivities in Puxitani were followed in 1907 by folks in Quarryville, a farming area in Lancaster County, also in Pennsylvania, the southeastern corner. The roughly 240 members of the Slumbering Groundhog Lodge there report the winter forecast from uh, Octorero Orphe, or something very like that, or at least via his well-preserved remains. Ooh. Quarryville Lodge board chair uh, said the um, organization has dinners and other social events throughout the year, but is largely focused on Groundhog Day. He credits Orphe as a far better forecaster than Phil. Okay. Octororo for Orphe uh, has never been wrong. This is the 116th year, and in the previous 115, he has been right on the money every year. I have no idea what Octororo Orphe is, or was, or will be, but there you go. Uh, by the way, the groundhog is a member of the squirrel family and is related to chipmunks and prairie dogs. It also is known as a woodchuck. You know, a, a woodchuck, if a woodchuck, woodchuck would. Exactly. A whistle pig, or in uh, parlance of Pennsylvania Dutch, a language with German roots, a grunzal. They're herb- herbivores uh, that are themselves edible to humans, although they are not widely consumed for reasons we don't need to explain. So there you have it. Not only a, did you say whistle pig? A whistle pig. Can you imagine if it was whistle pig day? I cannot. I can barely imagine Groundhog Day, but whistle pig, no. No, no. I just don't. I don't think that's the kind of thing that catches on. Well, now you know everything you never cared to know about the groundhog and the Puxatawney Phil and the Groundhog Day. And those are moments I can't ever get back. You never can. I'm sorry. Well, let's see what else we got here. Um, A company is offering a unique chance to scrap your ex this Valentine's Day. And I should mention for our Seattle listeners, James Blend and his wife do not celebrate or acknowledge Valentine's Day for reasons I won't explain. But uh, it's not something that you all celebrate. No, and it's it's one of those things, too, that uh, um, 
It's it was not me that brought that idea to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have spoken to her on many occasions to attempt to glean the truth, only to find out that my version is in fact correct. Well, I've settled on it, but I still have questions and doubts. Nonetheless, uh, some people celebrate Valentine's Day, and for them, uh, a company is offering a unique chance to scrap your ex this Valentine's Day. Those seeking to scrap their ex will need to submit the reasons why a company is offering the chance for the ultimate act of symbolic revenge this Valentine's Day, the chance to scrap an ex flame. Well, every year, Valentine's Day marks the season of love and romance. I just want the flowers and the chocolate. But let's be honest, not all relationships last the distance, meaning that for some, this time of year can be a reminder of those partners you'd rather forget. That's what a blog post said. It was dated uh, the 25th of January of this year by the company Scrap Car Comparison based in the UK. So for those in the midst of a breakup or suffering from heartbreak this Valentine's Day, we want to provide a unique way to gain some closure. Say hello to our new Scrap Your Ex scheme and goodbye to your ex, the post also said. Well, Scrap Car Comparison... I'm not sure why that title makes any sense, but it's a service that assists consumers with finding the best price for disposing their cars, according to the company's website. We work with hundreds of scrapyards up and down the country and scrap thousands of vehicles every year, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, the best way to do this with the added benefit of a sense of catharsis, right, is by naming an old banger about to hit the scrap heap after your ex. A person seeking to name a car after a former partner can fill out a form on the Scrap Car Comparison website, the company said. The registrar or the requester uh, has to submit the ex's first name and explain why he or she wants that person to be scrapped. All entries must be made uh, by uh, day, uh, the day of love itself, meaning Wednesday, February 14th, for those of you who are scratching your heads. According to the scrap company, pictures posted on the uh, comparison website show cars that are spray painted with the person's name along with heart symbols. And while the company is based in the UK, anyone anywhere in the world is eligible to submit a name to be scrapped. We're expecting high levels of demand, meaning that we may not be able to scrap everyone's ex this year, but we'll do our best. Those who are picked will get photographic evidence of the scrapping, the company said. It's the ultimate heartbreak healer. The company also said, wow, I think you need to watch the movie Frozen and just let it go. Exactly. That would be my advice. Yeah. Then again, I've been married for 41 years. 42 in May. I was going to say, it's coming up. And I wouldn't mind a few flowers and a little chocolate. Just saying. From Dan. I'm not a slave to the holiday. I just think it's a nice excuse. Have a little chocolate. Well, and and just so people know, so they don't, especially our Seattle audience doesn't think, I'm utterly hope, uh, hopelessly unromantic. Which, of course, you are utterly hopelessly unromantic. But go ahead. The, the agreement has always been that we don't celebrate on Valentine's Day because that's the day designated. Mm-hmm. My wife prefers spontaneous. And so every year I randomly pick a day and we treat it like our Valentine's Day. So you do celebrate Valentine's Day, but just not no, on the designated we day. Our, we celebrate our love. Mm-hmm. I see. And you know what you I want to really though, surprise I will say her? one thing, though. Chocolate's a lot cheaper. That's true. Aftermarket, absolutely and true. And a lot easier to get dinner reservations. You know what, though? If you really want to surprise her, do it on Valentine's Day. 
I that I'm I'm not gonna say if that's a plan one year, but that is something I have humorously thought of. We did <laughs> we did, however, we, we were in Los Angeles a couple of years ago on Valentine's Day and we wanted to go out and we so we did. It wound up being a Valentine's Day event. However, we you know, it it was more because of the date we happened to be there than a desire to actually do anything mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. Uh huh. I mm-hmm. see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can judge for yourselves. Ponder it during the break. Yeah. And if Dan Rice happens to be listening, I wouldn't mind a little heart-shaped box of chocolates and a couple of roses. A dozen would be fine. Overpriced. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. (laughs) I know you're as shocked as we are. They let us back on the air. James Blend has joined me, and we're taking a look at the lighter side of some of the news. Indeed. Well, a uh, fire department said a clogged drain at a nearby dairy plant dyed the creek in Lynchburg. Well, milky white. The spilled milk dyed a Virginia Creek white. There were unbelievable pictures taken of the incident. The, key, the creek rather, had mysteriously turned a milky white color, and it was quickly determined that the creek located near the Westover Dairy, a dairy plant, actually had, um, had been dyed by the undetermined amount of waste milk that had been accidentally released in the creek. A citizen called 911 that morning to report the creek was um, uh, near the, well, Hendrick Street, was almost completely white in color. Uh, Lynchburg is located in central Virginia, a little more than 100 miles west of Richmond. It's home of several colleges, including Liberty University. The mystery of the White Creek was quickly solved. Crews determined the uh, cause was a clogged drain at the uh, at the uh, dairy, which had allowed waste milk to overflow into the uh, the storm sewer and then into the creek. The fire department uh, said that the line was cleared and the overflow stopped. Water resource officials were notified about the incident, the department added, and despite the concerning color of the water, everything was apparently fine. There is no public health threat, they said. The department's uh, uh, post was shared on Facebook dozens of times, evoking mostly amused reactions. With grocery prices these days, I'm running to the creek with a few gallon jugs, joked one Facebook user. Others joked that now was the time to put some chocolate syrup in the creek to make the best of the situation. Another Facebook user was more direct in his assessment of the situation, writing, that's got to stink. There were no reports of anyone crying over the spilled milk. That was my big question, because I mean, you know, I mean, in that situation, do you have to enforce it? Yeah, I mean, a yeah, good question. You get like a, a, a ticket that requires appearance in court. I'm sorry, sir. You cried over spilt milk. That'll be a $50 fine. Good question. Well, responding to a dramatic personal struggle shared on a face meet on social media, rather, to which over 6,500 people have already reacted. A New York City based expert shared advice for the parents of young adults who are living on their own and trying to establish their own identities. All parents struggle when their children declare their independence, she wrote. For young people in this situation, the key is to acknowledge your parents' sadness. Embrace and express gratitude to your parents for what they have given you. Then set a boundary about how you are different from them. She was responding to the story of a 30-year-old man who shared with others on social media that he's been fairly successful thus far in his life and that his parents have been a huge part of his success but that he's ready to live the way he'd like to live without interference, criticism, or edicts from them. 
They kept me motivated through school. They gave me a great childhood. They've helped me graduate debt-free, the young man wrote. He added, my mom's contacts helped me land a well-paying job straight out of university. I'm a Nepo kid. Without them, who knows where I'd be. However, he added, they think this gives them carte blanche to interfere in my life. They constantly critique everything about my life. I cannot think of one aspect of my life they approve of. And I'm not a bad person or anything. Well, he added um, that... uh, In response to all of this, he was going to pay them off. Uh, The young man continued. He had his uh, parents over to his place for his dad's birthday and everything was uh, was wrong. His apartment was too small. The stove didn't have precise control of the heating elements and scorched the sauce. He continued just everything. Uh, And they kept saying they wanted better for me and that after everything they did for me, I should do better. Wrote the son further, well, I'm doing well. And because I live the way I do, I've actually done fantastic for the last eight years. He made clear that he'd had enough of the personal criticism and was ready to move on. So I wrote them a big check and asked them to hold it up. I took a picture of them with the check. They asked what it was for. And he told his parents that it was... Everything they had wasted on him, since obviously they think he was a failure. So I'm giving them a refund. I told them that I loved them and that I appreciated their help. But now that they were paid back, they could keep their opinions to themselves and be out of my apartment. Added the man, they got huffy and left. I heard from my brother that they were, well, pretty put out. But I don't really care, he told others. I just want them to accept that I don't owe it to them to live my life how they want The man said as well, sending them a check is like, well, sending everything back that they had given. The key is integration. So it's not recommended by the psychologist, but the young man said he had severed ties and was free to make the mistakes that they had identified that he was quite proud of and living quite comfortably with. Your thoughts, James? You're a dad. I'm a dad. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think I want a refund necessarily, Um, nor did I feel inclined to give my own parents one. Uh, but I suppose it's certainly better to get a refund than, you know, be asking at age 50, 60, 70, whatever. Hey, can I borrow the car and have 20 bucks? <laughs> or, you know, does that ex- absolve you from any uh, critique from the parents once you're, I mean, he's been out for it, eight years, you know, it seems. It, I don't think it, it, maybe it should, but it, it won't. <laughs> yeah. Parents who not. are critical, and I, I say this as a parent, parents who are critical perhaps to an extreme are hardwired to be critical to the extreme. A check is not going to change that. Wouldn't hurt, though. No, it wouldn't hurt. It might would definitely a, not hurt. Might take a trip. Well, Indian police cleared a suspected Chinese spy, Pigeon, after eight months' detention and released it into the wild on Tuesday. The Pigeon's ordeal began in May when it was captured near a port of Mumbai with two rings tied to its legs, carrying words that looked like Chinese. Police suspected it was involved in espionage and took it in, later sending it to Mumbai's animal shelter. Eventually, it turned out the pigeon was an open-water racing bird from Taiwan that had escaped and made its way to India. With police permission, the bird was transferred to the Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, whose doctors set it free on Tuesday. Mumbai police could not be reached for comment, but they were pretty put out. It's not the first time a bird has uh, come under police suspicion in India. In 2020, police there controlled um, in the 
Indian-controlled Kashmir released a pigeon belonging to the Pakistani fisherman after a probe found that the bird, which had flown across the heavily militarized border between the nuclear-armed nations, was not a spy. In 2016, another pigeon was taken into custody after it was found with a note that threatened Indian Prime Minister Narande Modi. I mean, if you're going to threaten the prime minister, do you send a pigeon? Anyway, I, I, I don't know. It feels like they're getting their feathers a bit ruffled. I think so. Mm-hmm. I have a hummingbird that hangs around my place. I'm wondering if it's an Iranian operative. I'm going to check that out. I think you should. I think I will. Well, an overturned truck covered a highway in Dr. Pepper and 7-Up. Two beverages that clearly do not go together. No, they do not. Travelers on a Nevada highway hit an unusual traffic hiccup. When an overturned truck covered the highway in cans and bottles of Dr. Pepper and 7-Up. The uh, police at Nevada State said the truck overturned on Interstate 80 between Mogul and Garson in Reno, uh, in the Reno area anyway. The truck ended up on its side spilling crates loaded with cans and bottles of Dr. Pepper and 7-Up into the roadway. No injuries were reported from the truck crash or the ensuing soda spill. Uh, Traffic in both directions was reduced to one lane due to multiple minor crashes in the area and people exiting their vehicles just for a little sip. Okay, I made that last part up. I don't know if they were. Well, I mean, you know, if people are willing to go down to the creek for a a jug of milk water, why wouldn't (laughs) they go for some Dr. Sprite? (laughs) Dr. Sprite. Well, an inert rocket of the type used to carry a nuclear warhead has been found in the garage of a home of a deceased resident in Washington state. Bellevue, to be more precise, police responded on Thursday to a report of a military grade rocket in the garage of a home in the city of Lake Washington. Um, Police said the Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, had called Wednesday evening to report an offer to donate the item, which a neighbor said had been purchased at an estate sale. Apparently it wasn't uh, dangerous. There it sat for a long period of time and will very likely end up in the Air Force Museum. Come right. to the estate sale. Have a blast. Yeah, there you go. We are out of time. Uh, if you're listening from Seattle, have a great weekend. I hope you'll join us back here on Monday in Portland. Up next, the Christian Outlook. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.